This is the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, episode number five. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network, podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. may not know this, but Matt and I speak almost daily. We we text, we Google Hangout, we do communicate using technology all the time. And right. it's very rare that we are actually physically in the same place at the same time. And we are fresh off of TCEA, which was last week, and we were actually there physically together, and seeing each other face-to-face was a, always a great little reunion, and we had some fun at TCEA. It's almost like the stars have to align in the right direction for Casey and I to be in the same spot, but yeah, it was good. Um, and one of the big topics of discussion that, that people seem to want to talk about was this podcast. And so um, we even got to do a little presentation about it and seemed to talk to lots of people. So um, it was definitely a, a good topic of discussion, I think. Yeah, we had our first round of Google Teacher Tribe VIP stickers that we were able to hand out. Those were going out like hotcakes. But we just had a great time at the conference. Oh, I I think we both had like the most amazing fried egg sandwich ever. Right. Yes, absolutely. And we we actually, you may not have realized this, but we actually recorded a little bit of episode, I think it was episode four, um, the closing of that episode, we recorded that like face to face in the same room, which usually we're states away from each other. So it was a it was a good experience for both of us, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great time. I always love that conference, but it was particularly special that I had my friend from Indiana there with me. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. So, Matt, what do we have coming up in this episode? We're going to talk about something that I know our listeners absolutely love to talk about, and that is Google Classroom. And Google Classroom recently created the option for us to assign assignments to students in small groups or to differentiate. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and how it could look in the classroom. We've got Google News and updates, including a blockbuster update, especially if you have students work in Google Drive. Uh, We've got a little bit of audience feedback and a question from one of our listeners. And we'll even talk about a couple of blog posts. So what do you say we get to it? Let's go. In case you missed it, video just got a huge upgrade in Google Slides. Huge. Huge. We finally have the ability to embed Google Drive videos in our slides, which is something that teachers have been asking for for a really long time. So this is a really nice update. It's super easy. Once you go to insert video, you now have a new tab that will show you your Google Drive videos so that you can pull directly from Google Drive. So you can embed those there, 
but the the update actually had some other features that not everybody paid attention to. So I just want to highlight these. So not only can you embed Google Drive videos in your slides now, but you can also choose when to start and end the video inside your slides. And this is true for both YouTube and Google Drive video types. Right click on that, that video that you inserted and go to video options. There you can choose the start time and end time. I love this because sometimes when I'm presenting, I really only want a clip to use in the in the presentation. So right, yeah. um, this this kind of gives me that ability to chop it wherever I want and just use the the clip that I want outside of the video instead of having to go do some video editing and upload into Drive. You also have a couple of handy check boxes below that start and end time in your video options. You have the ability to auto play a video, so you can check that box to have it automatically play as soon as you present and open that slide. And you also have the ability to mute a video. So if for some reason you just need the video portion playing and you don't need the audio, maybe you're going to narrate or maybe students are going to narrate through the process during the presentation. So there are some fabulous new features that we can use inside Google Slides to sort of upgrade our videos and our presentations. I know, especially for schools that don't have YouTube enabled, this is really big because you used to only be able to put those YouTube videos into your slides. And so that really limited a lot of us. So this is, yeah, this is, this is a huge one. Well, and, you know, sometimes there are videos that you want to use that even if you have access to YouTube, you don't really want to put on YouTube. There may not yeah. be a reason or there may be some, some parents who don't want you to do that. So um, this was huge. This was really a, a big update. Yes, absolutely. Totally agree. Now, another one that we've we've noticed that that is really neat has to do with the Google Translate app. Google Translate has come leaps and bounds. And if you don't have the Google Translate app, it has this really neat option that used to be a separate app called WordLens. Basically, what it does is it takes your camera, and if you aim your camera at some text in another language, it will translate it on the screen. So if you're looking through your camera and you see some words, this word lens option within the Google Translate app will actually swap out those words in the foreign language into English or whatever language you want to change it to. So it's had that option for lots of languages, for Spanish, for French, for German, for all of these languages. And it just recently added Japanese. So imagine... Going to Tokyo and being an English-speaking person and not knowing <laughs> a lick of Japanese, at least now you'll be able to pull up your Google Translate app, aim it at some of that, those Japanese characters, and be able to get the gist of what, what signs are saying. So I, th I think this is, a, this is a, big, um, a big option available in the Google Translate app. Yeah, that's so cool that they've added Japanese. I, I have seen it used in other languages. And of course, I do not speak Japanese. So if I ever decided to travel, this would come in handy. And the Google Translate mobile app is pretty awesome on its own. I mean, they have it that is. word lens option, but there's there's some really cool things that you can do in the classroom with that as well. That used to be the bane of my existence as a Spanish <laughs> teacher. But now I'm starting to come around on it a little bit. I can only imagine that. So, yeah, everybody's always wowed when you show them that camera option. That's that's sort of a wow factor when you see that working. Another fabulous update that we got from Google for Education is a little hidden. 
It came out in a tweet. It's called Google EDU Tuesday Tips. And if you didn't happen to catch the tweet, you may have missed it because they didn't blog about it. And it's, it's a little bit difficult to find the links. But let me tell you what this is and why you're going to care about that. So Google EDU Tuesday Tips are essentially tips that are coming out every Tuesday, of course. And they are putting these in Google Slide Decks. So right now you can get tips for Google Classroom, for Expeditions, and some other fabulous Google tools that we use every day. So every Tuesday they are adding to these slide decks. I did um, include a link in the show notes to a blog post where I shared all of these. So you can get these in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com forward slash five. Yes. And anytime that we can do tips like this, I mean, just little quick wins like that's always, always really good. So that's definitely something you'll want to check out. And I love the fact that Google is actually pulling in resources from other educators. These tips are actually coming from teachers, so they're very valuable. So Google recently has put out some pretty impressive updates to some of the tools that teachers love to use. And we just talked about the video updates recently. That was a big one. But I think probably the biggest one that I've heard the most buzz about was a change that they made in Google Classroom. This is something that we touched on a couple of episodes ago, where recently Google has allowed teachers to assign assignments to small groups of students because before it was so frustrating whenever you had to make an assignment and if it was supposed to go to only a subset of the students but you couldn't just assign it to them well that's all changed now thank goodness and so now what we have is basically differentiation within google classroom where we can right exactly where we can finally (laughs) just assign an assignment to a small group of students and i don't know about you casey but this is something that i've heard teachers just like begging for for the longest time yes and and i will say this and and kudos to google for giving teachers what they want in google classroom so google classroom is the only you know it's only available in g suite for education so they make this specifically for educators and for students, and they want to make it work for you. So teachers are allowed to send feedback. Um, When you are in Google Classroom, go to the bottom left-hand corner, there's a little question mark, and that's where you can submit the features that you wish Google had, Google Classroom had, or, you know, report glitches and things like that. So they read every single piece of feedback. I have talked to the Google Classroom developers, and that's where they find out what it is that you want, and that's exactly how we got this feature. So Yes, this has been long awaited. We had some workarounds. We had some Band-Aids that we were sort of using to make differentiation a reality in Google Classroom. But now we can assign things to individual students or to groups of students. So that whole what does good instruction look like in the classroom can actually work with the Google Classroom application because before it's like, oh, well, we don't need every student to do the exact same thing at the exact same time. But the way Google Classroom works was, yeah, everybody gets the same assignment. So now we have this very, very powerful little drop-down menu. When you go to create an assignment, you'll see a drop-down where you can choose all students or check the box for just the students that you want to give that assignment to. And, of course, this is also great for modifications. 
So yeah, to kind of piggyback on that, if you want to use this uh, differentiation feature or to be able to assign to small groups of students, I'm looking in my Google Classroom right now, and you've got your little red or sorry, I guess the color changes. It's red for me right now, at least. Um, you've got your little plus button down on the bottom right-hand corner when you have your Google Classroom class open. And so you'll just create an assignment from there. And once it loads up right next to the name of the class in that little assignment box that pops up, there's a drop-down menu that says all students. And so if you click on that, it starts out with all of your students checked. And so if you want to just assign to a small subset of students, you just uncheck that word all students, and then you can assign it to three or four or five students or all students but one or one individual student, however you want to do it. Then you just set up your assignment the rest of the way uh, by typing the title and the instructions, can do a due date or a topic if you want to, and then you can assign it or uh, schedule it for later, which is just the way that you've done it before. But, but now, now this uh, this whole differentiation or assigning to small groups of students, it really opens up a lot of things that we can do differently in the classroom. Isn't that right, Casey? Yes, I, I think it does. It definitely gives us more of what we need. But along with that, sometimes new questions arise and new, you know, maybe new feature requests. Okay, this is great, but I need this. So I'm waiting for that because I'm sure teachers are going to start figuring out new ways to use this and then think of other new features that they want to work with this as well. So um, I do have a few tips I'd like to share in terms of differentiating assignments in Google Classroom. And the number one tip that I have gotten from Alice Keeler using Google Classroom is to number your assignments. So if you haven't been doing that, that it just makes a world of difference in the organization within Classroom and in your Google Drive. It makes it searchable. So thinking about numbering assignments and now applying that to possibly multiple assignments when you're differentiating. So if I have given, you know, five different groups inside my class the same number. So my advice, I'm just, and I'm thinking about this out loud, really, because teachers haven't used this long enough now to know the best practices yet. So I'm thinking that the, it's going to become more necessary to be specific in the title of your assignment now. So even if you're using the same number multiple times, you know, you want to be sure and in, in detail. So if I'm giving an extra credit assignment to Sarah, I want to be sure and put that in the title so that I don't have to dig into the assignment to figure out exactly what it is, um, whether it's a, you know, a modified assignment, extra credit or, you know, group work and maybe even put the group numbers or group names in the assignment title, I think could really help clarify that not only within Google Classroom, but also within the organization of the files in Google Drive. Does that make sense? Yes. And can I add something on that yeah. real quick? Um, just the the importance of having those assignments numbered. I know um, I've heard teachers that do this, they'll say, it's so much easier to tell a student go back to assignment 26 instead of giving telling the student, go back to assignment you know, science cell project activity, blah, 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 blah. If you have to give them the whole title of it, it's it's a big pain in the neck. But if you just tell them, go back to assignment number 23, it makes things easier for everybody. 
Exactly. And it's so much easier when you're trying to put things into your grade book as well yes. to be able to align those things there. The The other thing that I would recommend is to be as specific as possible in your directions. And I say this in general, but when you have multiple groups of students working on different things and their directions could be very, very different. The more information you give them inside Google Classroom is going to make your life easier so that they don't have to stop and interrupt you and ask you a million questions if you were doing small group instruction or you're facilitating facilitating something else that's going on in the classroom. That way it's sort of self-serving and you have sort of cloned yourself. All of the information is right there. And, and your kids will ask questions and you'll quickly learn, oh, I should have put that in the directions. Go back, edit the assignment and add that information in there. And if you have someone absent, they know exactly what they need to do. And along with that, if you have a rubric, be sure that you attach the rubric. Numbering the, ru the rubric with the assignment number is also very helpful. So anything that you attach using the same number will help keep everything sort of, you know, streamlined and organized. Yes, yes. And I just real quick on that same thing to totally back you up on that. As far as the instructions go, you said something about students that were absent. And I think that right there is in and of itself the reason to put very detailed instructions into those assignments, because I've fallen into that trap myself when I've used it in, in the classroom before. And it's so easy to just put in a, a title on it and then just put it out there and you'll go, oh, well, all of the students that are in class, they'll hear my instructions in class, so it's no big deal. But you're not writing those instructions in Google Classroom for those kids because who you're really writing them for are the kids that are absent or the kids who don't get it done who need to go back and get those instructions. So, so yeah, the importance of making sure that you have good, complete instructions that they're totally crucial. Totally agree with you. Yes, it, it definitely will make your life easier. And, you know, the, the other thing is, I, I'm sort of thinking of how group work is, go, is is going to work now with this new feature. And the thing that I'm thinking about is the fact that I may have a collaborative document that five students are working on. Who turns that in? Yes. So so my advice, at least right now, and, and please send us feedback if you have better ideas or if you've tried something else that works, because that's that's really all this is about is sharing best practices. But I think if you designate a group leader when you give group work and it's in the directions that, you know, Johnny is in charge of submitting the final product in Google Classroom, that it will just, again, make your life easier and you won't have kids who are confused about who's in charge of turning certain things in, especially when it's a collaborative document. So just keep that in mind. Um, I think that would also help allevi alleviate some of the file ownership issues when they, when they turn in work. The other thing that I always recommend in terms of your directions inside Google Classroom, it, again, being as specific as possible, but if you've attached a template tell them to use the template that is attached. I can't tell you how many times I have had this happen with adults too, <laughs> who will go in and create a new doc. And that will not be named the way you want it to be named. They have to go in and add it or, or submit it um, into the assignment. So when you're using those types of things, be as as clear as you can about, you know, I want you to use this attached document. And they will get used to the fact that they've got to read those, those detailed directions. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So when I saw this come out, one of the first things I started thinking about was, 
what can we do with this in class? How could this actually look in a classroom? And so some of the ideas that that kind of came to mind for me immediately, the first one obviously is group activities. If you want to put kids into groups and then assign a different activity to each individual group, um, this, is a, this is a really good way to do that. And so I know sometimes with, if you did genius hour groups or something like that, you know, something where, where kids are doing something different, at least that way, that would be one way to do that. Another one is providing extra practice. So if you have certain kids who are still falling a little bit behind or just are not quite getting it and they need either some optional things that they can do on their own time or if they need that extra assignment, then all you do is you just check box all of those people that that need that. And the beauty of that is whenever we're giving assignments, see in the past before we had this, we put out that assignment and then everybody saw it. And you just have to say, oh, no, no, that's not for you. Don't worry about it. Well, give it about two or three days. And all of a sudden you've got, if they're like my students, they would be like, so am I supposed to do that? And I'm going, yeah, but three days ago I told you to, yeah, never mind. No, you don't have to do that. So it's just easier that way if you give it to them. And then Another one that makes me think of also is if you're trying to level things for different groups. I mean, this is sort of like where differentiation, where the rubber meets the road, I think, is if you've got you know some students who are really, really getting it and you want to challenge them. And then if you've got some that are just right on pace or if you, and you've got maybe a third group who's just a little bit behind, then you just select the ones that are in each of those groups and you do three assignments, one for the ones that are really ahead, one for the ones that are behind and ones and one for the ones that are just on, on pace. And the nice thing about that too, is that all you have to do is just tell them, go into Google classroom and get started. And I know sometimes people think there's a little bit of a stigma with grouping kids and it's like, am I a red bird or am I a blue bird? And what does that mean about me? And you, you sort of eliminate a lot of that whenever you just tell them, go into this assignment and get started. It's like you're not even telling them, okay, you guys are getting a different assignment and you're getting a different assignment. You're just giving an assignment and the kids are calling it up. And, you know, a lot of times they're not even going to dig into, well, is my assignment different from somebody else's? So that's a really nice way to make leveling easy and also keep kids from, you know, kind of looking over their shoulder and going, what does this mean about me? So those are some of the things I thought of anyway. Oh, for sure. I I think digital differentiation can really level the playing field when it comes to, you know, modifications and being able to meet the needs of all the learners in your classroom. You know, we had that discussion with Carrie as well. And I think that's what's so great about it is it's not so obvious. You can do these things and, and no one has to know that they had, you know, a different assignment, a modified assignment or whatever it is that you call it. And now with this new feature, we have the ability to do that so much more easily inside Google classroom. But Matt, I really love those ideas that you're sharing. And by the way, just wanted to mention that all of the resources and the things that we are mentioning, we have a ton of, of links that we are sharing in the show notes to support all of that. So if you're if you're wondering how to come back to this, go to the Google, sorry, go to googleteachertribe.com forward slash five. And you can find all of those additional resources and books and all kinds of great information to support using Google Classroom. Yes, absolutely. So this is just one of those things that that we saw that we know a lot of people are talking about and just kind of wanted to bring it into focus and give you some ideas for how you can use this new differentiation feature within Google Classroom because we know what a game changer it is. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I always start off when, when I'm teaching anything about differentiation is really talking about the groundwork and where that comes from. I have tons of resources and books that I, I recommend from Caroline Tomlinson, who is pretty much the definitive voice when it comes to differentiated instruction. Right. But another way, you know, there are multiple ways to differentiate. Obviously, we have content, product and process. And so if you're looking for ideas on how to do that using Google Classroom, obviously building in student choice and things like that, we have additional resources to help you figure out the best way to differentiate whether it is content, product or process in your classroom. It's time for the Google Teacher Tribe mailbag. I love this part of the episode, Matt. I really, really do. I'm enjoying getting the feedback from the, the listeners that we have. It's been super exciting. And I have some questions that were submitted using SpeakPipe on our website, googleteachertribe.com. By the way, if you go to our website, you can leave us a voicemail. That's what SpeakPipe is. And you can just leave us a voicemail that we will play on air. And I'm excited to share this one from a friend in the Dallas area, Ed Tech Mason, and he is just one of the most positive educators I have ever encountered. And Matt and I actually got to meet him face to face at TCEA last right. week. And yes. he just left us a glowing review. There really was weren't any questions in there. However, we encourage you to use that as, as a question format. We would love to be able to help you with all of the barriers and the challenges that you're facing with using Google in in the classroom. So thank you so much, Mason. We were so happy to meet with you and connect with you. And thank you for leaving us such an amazing review. And here's Mason. Hey, Casey. Hey, Matt. It's Mason. I'm EdTech Mason on Twitter and a new blogger at edtechmason.com. Uh, I just wanted to say that it was great to see both of you guys present and hear from you guys and meet you guys and connect with you at TCEA 2017 in Austin. Um, it just reaffirmed how amazing you both are, the wealth of knowledge that you provide, and the Google Tribe is a testament to that. Your podcast has been very informative, insightful, and just really fun to listen to. So just keep up the great work. I look forward to continuing to listen in each and every week. Um, thanks a lot for everything that you guys do for educators and for supporting us and giving us that great information to help our students. Um, best of luck in the future podcast and hope to see you guys again soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. So thanks again, Mason, for that. It's so, so good to know good people. And I know being a, a connected educator really lets us do that. So now we, we got another message, another voice message. This one was from Steve Dutcher. And this one comes all the way from Okinawa, Japan. Oh, my and gosh. So, isn't that amazing? <laughs> I'm I know blown we've, away. Yeah, yeah. We've had one from Italy and now we've got one from Japan. This is this is awesome. And so Super Steve cool. has a question for us about sharing files with students. So I'm going to toss it over to Steve and, and give us your question. Hi, Casey and Matt. This is Steve. I am a fifth grade teacher in Okinawa, Japan, and I would like to say that I love your podcast and I love the GoogleTeacherTribe.com website. Your show notes are always concise and packed full of resources. I have a question about using Google Drive to share documents with my class. Unfortunately, my system has provided 
all teachers and students with access to G Suite, but we do not have access to Google Classroom. So sharing documents with my students is it's easy, but not as easy as it could be. My question is this. When I am ready to stop sharing a document with my class, my students, is there a quick and easy way to do that? Like um, when I share it, I share it to a class group email list, which is just a one step and click. However, when I'm ready to stop sharing it, I have to go actually in and click on the share button and click the little X to delete every single student email address in the share entries. And it gets a little monotonous after a few documents. I'm wondering if anybody has found a shortcut or a app or something that I might be able to use. All right, Steve, thank you for that question. That is a good question. Casey, do you have any advice for him? Oh, that's a tough one. And I hear this a lot. I get this this question quite a bit from other educators. And first of all, I want to say kudos to you because you are doing a lot of the right things. Using groups is very, very smart. And you are doing a lot of the things that I would recommend you do. Now, Google Classroom just makes everything so much easier. And so for me, it seems like a no brainer if you have, especially if you've already gone Google as a school district to not give you access. So my, my question to you would be, are they giving you access to some other type of learning management system? You didn't mention that in the, in the message, so I was just curious. But the other thing is, I, I usually tell people, give me five minutes with your IT department. I mean, seriously, just the the ability to manage assignments paperlessly, saving you the trouble of worrying about all of these sharing rights and things like that is really the magic of what Google Classroom can add answer for you and offer all the teachers. So I use a graphic pretty often to sort of explain what teachers look like before Google Classroom. So you're sort of still in that like falling down the stairs phase where you're trying to work (laughs) through all of these different types of, of hoops that you have to jump through to make this work for you. And then the once you move over to Google Classroom, it's just like a breath of fresh air. It really just it, it answers so many problems. So I'm sorry, first of all, that you don't have access. I know one thing that I did before Google Classroom came out was to use Doctopus, the Doctopus add-on, which is actually a, an add-on for Google Sheets, and that would allow me to use templates and to hand out assignments because Doctopus is like this magical octopus that makes all these copies for you and shares them with all your students. So, so that's one idea. Matt, do you have some ideas to add to that? Yeah, before Google Classroom, I used to use this thing called G Class Folders, which I believe is also a an add-on to Google Sheets. Again, that's called G Class Folders. And basically, it just creates this elaborate set of shared folders. And there's a there's a class shared folder where everybody has access to that one folder and then there are individual student folders where only the student and the teacher have access to those folders and then there's like a third kind of like super top secret teacher folder that I never used but <laughs> just just by having those for a long time that was huge for me because it it made things I thought that it made things a little bit easier but if you're looking for real simple options I'd say sometimes it's just as simple as create a folder in your Google Drive, share it with everybody that you want to share it with, and then just dump documents into that folder. And when you want to revoke access to that, just pull it out of that folder. 
or if you've even done something as simple as using the blue share button to share with a whole bunch of people, all you have to do is just go back to the blue share button and then just change your sharing settings back to private. So those are a couple of simple options that I think you can use too. Yeah, those are great. I just wish that you had access. Sorry, Steve. I know. So hopefully, hopefully we will we will hear from you again, and eventually you will have access to Google Classroom. Yes, hopefully. And so our last part of our mailbag comes from someone that Casey and I are very familiar with. Casey, do you want to take this one? Yes. So this this message was from one of the sweetest people I think I know, yes. Wanda Terrell. And she was in our Google Teacher Academy in Austin. She says, just dropping a quick note to say how awesome the podcast is. The organization of the show has great flow and the information is varied and informative for a Google teacher of any level. I can't help but smile as I listen to you two banter and would probably do so even if I didn't know you both. Keep up the great work. I look forward to hearing what you have in store for us in the months and years to come. So thank you, Wanda, and thank you for the the vote of confidence that will be around for years, too. So we just appreciate hearing from all of you. And again, the support is amazing, but please feel free to submit feedback and suggestions and anything else that we can help you with. Right. Yeah. We love to answer questions. Just like Steve's question about the sharing. If you've got anything, feel free to send it to us. All right. So for our on the blog segment this time, I actually want to toss my entry over to another blog that I came across. And so this is a blog by a teacher named Whitney Hayes. And you can find her blog at educationalinsights.wordpress.com. And if you don't know how to spell that, just go to our show notes, which is googleteachertribe.com slash five. And so she wrote this post. It's called Sharing Digital Books with Families, in parentheses, Google Slides. And so what Whitney did was she did something that I know both Casey and I have encouraged on our blogs, which was to have kids create kind of like, it, she says, like a digital book using Google Slides, where if you go to file page setup, you can change the dimensions of the so- slides to make them like eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper. And then if you design in Google Slides, you can print them out, you can share them. And so that's all well and good. But what Whitney did next was what really blew my mind. And so... What she did was she took those books that the students were working on and she grabbed a sharing link and she shared it with their parents. So what that meant was, or what it could mean, is that if you send that link out to parents by email or if you have a remind.com membership where you can send text messages to parents or whatever, if you do that... You could do one of two things, I think. You could either let parents come in and see the work as it's being done, which is fascinating in and of itself, or you could take that finished product and then share it with parents. And so I'm just thinking about if you share that while kids are working on it and you let parents kind of like behind the curtain, so to speak, and be or behind the classroom door and let them really see what kids are doing in the moment while they're doing it. That's just such a neat thing and something that I never really thought of. And so I was really, really inspired and impressed by uh, what Whitney, what Whitney shared there. That's an incredible idea. I love creating eBooks with Google Slides. I think it's much easier to do it in slides than it is in Docs. And the really thinking about connecting back with the audience and using parents as that audience, I think, is a powerful tool for us in, in our in our classrooms for sure. I have one quick thing that I want to share. Um, 
you know, we made this switch from Google Apps to, for Education to G Suite for Education. I'm still adjusting to the new, new vocabulary here, but I'm helping lots of teachers pursue Google certification. And if you were pursuing Google Certified Educator Level 1, this is definitely for you, but this is helpful for anyone, even if you are brand new to G Suite. I have created a Google Doc explaining exactly what is G Suite for education, what's included, the difference between an education account, a personal account, lots of great information in there that could pop up on a test, just FYI, if you're looking to take that level one exam. And tent, wink, wink. So in the show notes, I've included a link to the blog post, but there's also a quick uh, link there that you can click to make a copy and just add it to your Google Drive. Share it with anyone that you like. Like I said, I think this really helps sort of set the, the groundwork when you're explaining to new teachers or to teachers who are new to Google exactly what is the this whole G Suite thing. Yeah, this is good. I'm I'm just kind of flipping through this and oh my goodness, there's some things here that I never would have thought of to to explain, like the difference between having a G Suite for Education account versus a standard Google account and all the different apps and everything. This is great. This is a really good resource. Definitely worth checking out. That wraps up episode five of the Google Teacher Tribe. We hope all of you are walking away with some some new tips and tricks for Google Classroom and beyond. Next week in episode six, we interview Christine Pinto. You may also know her as Pinto Beans. She is an amazing kindergarten teacher who is using not only Google Classroom, but Google Apps and G Suite for education with her itty bitties. And she's also the founder of the GAF for Littles hashtag. Christine blows me away. You hear so many people say, oh, well, they're too young to be able to do that, or I can't do that in my classroom. And Christine's anthem is, yes, we can. Yes, they can. So you're definitely not going to want to miss this one. And just as a quick reminder, don't forget to join the Google Teacher Tribe and become a VIP member. Go to googleteachertribe.com to find out more. Yes, I think that wraps up episode five. So we're looking forward to seeing you back here on next week's episode. We'll see you guys later. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power. And may the Googles be with you. going to remember that we're in episode five okay (laughs) oh my gosh it's like i've got some sort of mental block with these numbers so okay need to get you like a a post-it note to put on your computer with (laughs) a great i really should just do that on it yeah